our absence, of course, he'll be uh, preaching. He'll be here Thursday. He'll be here actually tomorrow sometime in the evening. And so that's where they are. And so just pray for them that God gives them a safe journey back home. So as I told you earlier, Brother uh, Achilles uh, lesson today that was he didn't pick that lesson that's the lesson in our quarterly that's it's done by Holy Ghost filled Pentecostal men and it's amazing how that many times a Sunday school lesson co will coincide with the message that I have and I, I I didn't make any correlation it just the spirit did it and so I appreciate God doing this I do have a message for you today and I'm you're not going to leave here happy I'm going to preach to you the truth of God's word, and I'm going to dump it in your lap, and you and I are going to have to do something with it. You and I, I say, because I have to, I have, the word hits me too. He said, when you point your finger at somebody, you got three fingers pointing back at yourself. So be careful how you point. <laughs> so uh, the word of God cuts going and coming. And so today, I'm trying to stimulate us. I the Lord impressed upon me to preach this or else I wouldn't preach it. I like preaching nice messages. You go out feeling wonderful. Oh, everything is fine. Well, everything sometimes isn't fine, and sometimes we need to face some things. So I pray that this will be helpful to you. It'll be a blessing to you. And so uh, we're going to read a scripture and get going this morning. It's in John 15 and verse number 16. The Gospel of St. John chapter 15, verse 16, just one verse here at this time. This is quite a great verse when you really look at it. The Lord is speaking here, and he's saying, Ye have not chosen, <coughs> excuse me, ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, and ordained you that ye should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain. That whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he will give it you. My subject today is fruitfulness demanded. Fruitfulness demanded. I asked a question in Sunday school class today. If you have an orange tree and it never bears oranges, is it an orange tree? Technically, Brother Kelly says, well, yes, it is still an orange tree. But if you had 10 trees in your backyard and someone told you they were orange trees and they never bear any oranges, I still ask the question, are they orange trees? If you sold someone the tree and you said, I have an orange tree and here I'm going to sell it to you for $50 and they put it in their backyard and never grew any oranges, is it an orange tree? Jesus said, you'll know them by their fruits. So we are going to be known by our fruits. And the Lord says here, you have not chosen me. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the word of God. It is quick and powerful and sharp. It touches each one of us. And I ask you to stir us up today. You told us to stir up the gift that's within us. That's the Holy Spirit. That we might do your will and find your purpose. That we might be fruitful, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ. Bless the word to our hearts today. Help me to have the wisdom and the knowledge and the fluency, God, and the unction and anointing to break it to us and so that we can understand it clearly. In the name of Jesus, I pray, and to you be all the glory and the honor. 
Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I like the first part of this verse. He says, ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. Think about it. You were God's choice. I don't know if that means anything to you, but it means a whole lot to me. Praise God. A lot of things that I would have liked to have done, I didn't get chosen. A lot of places maybe I'd like to have gone, a lot of things that I would like to have received, I didn't get chosen. I wasn't in the right class. I wasn't in the right place. I didn't come from the right family. I didn't have the right car. I didn't, I didn't have the, I, I wasn't able to, to make it. But I was God's choice. Praise God. And so are you. We're God's choice. Out of millions of others, God wanted you. How many people in Los Angeles know God in the power of the Holy Ghost today? Here we're in the city of Los Angeles that's over, what, 4 million people? And how many do we sitting here this morning? Maybe 100? Out of all that great huge group, and I'm not saying all the others don't know the Lord. There's other other uh, groups that, that do know God and they, they know the full truth. But the point is, God chose you and me. We have this truth. And God didn't just choose us and give us this truth for us to sit on a pew. And so that's something we need to think about here today. Since we are God's choice, let's see why he chose us. He said in this verse, he ordained us to go and to bring forth fruit. That's why you and I were chosen. That we might bring forth fruit. Everybody say, preach it, Brother Elms. <laughs> You're getting quiet. That's not altogether bad. Let's think about this and go back to the beginning. There's the law of beginnings. If you want to understand a concept in the word of the Lord, go back where it was first talked about. And many times there's keys there that will unlock your understanding. But in Genesis 1.28, we find that God blessed them. It says, and God blessed them and God said unto them, this is Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. So God's first command was to Adam was to be fruitful and to multiply and replenish the earth. In the natural realm, that was God's will and that was God's purpose, but it now also applies in the spiritual realm. God wants us to go forth and to multiply and put believers on this earth. There's a couple of scriptures I want to bring your mind, into our minds today. 1 Corinthians 3, 16 he said, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? Don't you realize? Everybody look at me. You are the temple of God, and God's Spirit dwells in you. Okay? 1 Corinthians six nineteen. listen to this one. What? Know ye not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God... And ye are not your own. You're not your own. You see, God has a right to our bodies. He placed the spirit in us. Therefore, we are not our own. God purchased us with his own blood at Calvary. He bought us. He bought our soul. 
He bought it in a sense from the devil. The way he did it was he paid the penalty for our sins. And therefore, we're made free. We're made innocent. We're, made, we're pardoned. God has done that for us. And so he, he purchased us and he invested in us. And he's expecting a return on his investment. If you make an investment, you put your money into something, you're expecting to get something back. Isn't that right? Some of you expected to get too much back. We won't go there, right? <laughs> I see the right ones laughing. All right, because there's, there's a realistic deal. If, if, if anything is too good, it's too good. Don't mess with it. Avoid it with a 10-foot pole. Don't put your money in there. If they're telling you you're going to get 50% back or 100% back, don't believe it. It's a lie. You know what the banks are paying now? On a checking account or a savings account? Probably less than 1%. But I remember a few years ago when we were getting 17, 18%. Remember that? Amen. Amen. Those, those were some wonderful days, but uh, they are not like that anymore. And then when you go to the service station, your money is going to all flow out again at four bucks a gallon. As the cheapest thing I saw, one of the cheap stations this morning was 399.9. And so investments, investments, that's what we're talking about. No one makes an investment without expecting return on it. Now, God's spirit is in us. God, we belong to God. God's spirit, he wants to dwell in us. That's how he's dwelling on this world. He's not just dwelling anywhere. He's dwelling inside his people. That's where he set up his kingdom. He told us that. He says, my kingdom is going to be in you. He says, now I'm with you, but not too long from now, he told his disciples, I'm going to be in you. That's where I'm setting up my kingdom. And so God's kingdom is in us. Therefore, he wants to dwell in us. And you can visit a house often, but not live there. God's desire is to dwell in our temples. He wants to live inside of us. He wants access to every room, every cabinet, every closet, every part of our house. God wants to live inside of you and me. You don't keep some private part locked away and say, God, I don't want you in here. That's where all your bad stuff is. That's where your soundtracks are. That, that's, you know. That's where your, uh, you know, your video games are. That, that, there's certain things over here. That's what your, you got your TV in there. You know, they're, they're locked away because you know, the Bible says you will set no wicked thing in front of your eyes. And so we got to be careful what we do with these temples that God wants to dwell in because if we pollute them, God's going to leave. It's important that you keep yourself clean, that the Spirit will dwell inside of you and not be pushed out and forced out by other things in our lives. And so God desires to dwell in our temples, to live there. He must have access to every part of us. You see, literally, we are God's eyes, we are God's ears, we are God's mouth, we are God's hands, we are God's feet. Do you understand that? Whatever God wants to do in this world, he's chosen to do it through you and me. That's how God wants to operate. Our bodies, he wants to use your body to accomplish his will and his purpose. 
He could have had angels come down here and do everything, but that's not what he chose to do. He chose for you and I, members of the body in particular, that he would work through us. We are each one a member of God's body. And so if he's asked us in his word to be the light of the world. We're to be witnesses. If we refuse to witness, we silence God. You see, Christians who are not bearing fruit, fruit, let me get it out straight. Christians who are not bearing fruit are either brand new or else they're spiritually sick. And so it's important that we understand that whenever you plant a new uh, tree, I planted an orange tree in my backyard some years ago, and I was told that after I planted it was real small, that it's going to take about three years for it to begin bearing fruit. And that's true. It takes a while. When you're a brand new Christian and you come to the Lord, you don't necessarily bear fruit instantly, but although many young Christians are, are bearing fruit pretty quick. And so it takes a little time to mature and grow into something that will produce fruit. But uh, we're given a parable. There's a number of parables in the Word of God, but this is the one the Lord spoke of in Luke 13 in verse 6. He spake also this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came and sought fruit thereon and found none. Then said he unto the dresser of his vineyard, Behold, these three years I came seeking fruit on this fig tree, and I find none. Cut it down. Why cumbereth it the ground? It's taking up space, and it's not yielding any fruit. Get rid of it. I'll put something else in its place. You see, if you and I don't produce fruit, God will replace us. We've got to understand we have a privilege to be a part of God's kingdom and for him to dwell inside of us and for him to minister through you and I with our mouth and our ears and our, and our feet and our, and our hands. We're God's, we're God's faculties. He's working in the world through you and me. That's how he's chosen to do it. And so he answering said unto him, Lord, let it alone this year also till I dig about it and dung it. And if it bear fruit well, and if not, then after that thou shalt cut it down. And so for three years, the owner came looking for fruit on this tree, and he found none. You know what this does? This shows the long-suffering of God. God just doesn't cut his people off immediately. He gives them chances. He gives them opportunities over and over again. But he says, but after three years, if I come and don't find fruit, then we're going to cut it down. And so the keeper asked him, he says, well, give me one more year to work with it. Let me dig up the soil around it and let me fertilize it. And then if in one more year there's, there's no more fruit, then I will cut it down. You know, there's been situations here when I've prayed for people and said, God, give them a little more time. Have mercy on them a little more. Because as I watched from the pastoral viewpoint, and I've seen that there wasn't the growth that really needed to be, and I knew that it wouldn't be long until they would be shriveling up and they would die. But, but God in his love and mercy, he wants to work with us. He is long-suffering. When was the last time that you bore some fruit? Let me ask you a question, a few real personal questions here. How long has it been since you talked to a soul about his salvation? A month, six months, a year, 10 years? How long has it been since you invited someone to church? 
Uh, Brother Elms, I, I, I don't have any opportunities, you say. You know what? If you pray and fast regularly, you'll be sensitive to the Holy Ghost and you'll recognize opportunities. But if you're living your life in a cold, lukewarm state, you won't even see opportunities. They'll go right by you because you're inward focused instead of focused on the world like the Lord asks us to be. If you want to be a soul winner bad enough, you will be. You can be. Anybody can. It's another principle here that I want to bring to our mind. In John 15, verse number 1, it's talking about the true vine here. He says, I am the true vine, and my father is a husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. You see, a branch cannot bear fruit of itself. We must be grafted into the vine. Our sustenance, our strength, everything we need is coming up through the vine and reaching, coming right out into the branches, but you've got to be connected. If you disconnect yourself from the vine, the church, from God, you're not going to bear fruit. And he's going to come looking at every, every time of the year. He's looking at the branches and he's seeing if this one is not bearing in fruit and this is dying, what does he do? He takes his clippers and he snips it off, throws it in the fire. You don't want to be one of those people that is taken away because he said those that bear fruits, he prunes them. He prunes back the dead wood. And so it's important. Just because a branch is impoverished and sickly and weak doesn't mean the vine is not healthy and strong. You can't judge the vine by a branch because the vine can be supplying hundreds of other branches and they're doing fine, but one branch has decided to be independent and do its own thing. And so the pruning time comes and the caretaker looks for branches that are barren and he just cuts them off. How is the Father glorified? Verse number 8 of this 15th chapter says, Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. So shall be my disciples. So shall ye be my disciples. Our, the disciples are those that are bearing fruit. That ye bear much fruit. This is how the Father is glorified. He's glorified in that we bear fruit. So if we don't bear fruit, what are we doing to the Father? A fruitless branch never serves the purpose of the vine. A Christian that is barren is a misrepresentation of Christ. The scripture tells us in the Old Testament, he that goeth forth weeping, bearing precious seeds, shall doubtless come again rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. You see, if we go forth with a burden, with a passion about us, weeping, bearing precious seed, we will come again rejoicing, bringing our fruit with us. Hallelujah. Give the Lord praise today. Hallelujah. You see, prayer is 
our connection to the vine. We must pray for a burden, an anointing to see opportunities to witness. Prayer will give you a positive attitude and it will give you faith. It will be born in your heart as you continue to do the will of God. But there are some things that we don't need to pray about. Some people are naive, perhaps, but let me mention a few. If it's God's will, you don't need to pray about if it's God's will that you pay your tithes on Sunday or any other day of the week. We were just talking, some of us guys at breakfast this morning, and one of them men says, you know, I learned something. He says, uh, one week I, I didn't pay my tithes, and he says, I got a ticket, and I had to pay more than my tithes to the government. He says, I learned my lesson. If you don't pay your tithes, God will just take it, and he'll take more than you owe sometimes. The second thing, you don't have to pray about if it's God's will to teach a Bible study to a friend. Now, God, if it's your will, now, <laughs> it's his will. You, you don't have to worry about it. If it's God's will, I'll be in church services all this week. You don't have to pray about that. If it's God's will, I'll read my Bible through this year. How many are doing it? Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. You don't have to pray about that. It's like praying, if it's God's will for this orange tree to grow some oranges, let's pray about that. <laughs> no, you don't have to pray about that. Let's look at the primary purpose of God giving us the Holy Ghost. Acts 1.8. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. The primary purpose of us receiving the Holy Ghost is not to speak in tongues. The primary purpose of receiving the Holy Ghost is that we become witnesses. Witnesses. Praise God. Remember when, if you, just think back, when you were first saved and you came into the church, you wanted to tell everybody. You were going to your friends, you were going to your neighbors, you were going to your relatives, you are going to everybody you knew. Hey, you need to come down to church because God is there and I felt the Holy Ghost. You were so excited about it. Well, what's happened? Is God changed? What's happened? When the Holy Ghost is flowing hot in your spiritual veins, you just can't keep quiet. There's something about it that stirs you up and you want to tell everybody about it because it's the greatest thing that ever happened in your life. But if we're not careful, we'll become like some of those in the churches of Revelation that I've been teaching on on Thursday night. They become indifferent and cold and lukewarm. You know what the biggest hindrance to God that he has with our church? It's this building. It's the four walls. You see, most of our witnessing is done outside the building. But some people come to church and they think, well, I've done it. I made it to church, so that's all God requires of me. 
No, 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 no. That's like charging your phone. You plug your phone in at night or you plug your phone in sometime when you don't want to f- use it. And then when you get done all day long, you're using that phone. You're using that. That's what the church is for, to charge your batteries. And then go out there in the world and use that power that God has given you to be a witness in a world that's lost and going to hell. That's our job. So you can't catch fish in a hot tub or a bathtub. You got to go where the fish live. The lakes and the streams and the rivers and the oceans, those are the places where you'll find the fish. They're not sitting. Just fill up your tub, fill it all up and throw your line in there and put worms and all kinds of bait and I promise you, you won't catch much of anything except maybe some lint or something that fell in there. But we got to go where the people are. Where are the people? The people are out on the streets. They're in the markets. They're in the workplaces. They're in the colleges. They're at the bank. They're in the mall. They're in the residential areas. They're all around us where they live. They need, we need to be a witness to those folks. They're looking for something. They don't know what they're looking for. They're hungry for something. They're wanting truth. They're wanting satisfaction. They're wanting peace of mind. They're wanting something that satisfies their heart. They're trying everything the devil has out there to offer them, and it leaves them empty. We have what they need. We have the truth of God. Every one of you sitting in here knows something about God and the power of the Holy Ghost. Most of you have received the Holy Ghost. You got the Holy Ghost. My question is today, has the Holy Ghost got you? God, help us. God called us to be fishers of men, not aquarium keepers. We need to get a touch of madness about witnessing. You need to get a little fanatical. I had you yell early today, I love Jesus. You need to get out on the street corner when you're walking or at the bus stop and yell to the top of your voice, I love Jesus. Go a little crazy for Jesus. (laughs) Amen, amen, amen. We need some fanatics. That's fans that are at it. Fanatics. (laughs) Amen. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. We need to carry tracks everywhere we go. I mean, we have a track rack back there, and we can get more, and we can print stuff, and we have cards and all. And everywhere we go, we need to give them. When you, if you pay your bills by, on, uh, by sending in uh, an envelope, stick a track in it. My wife has done that for years. Now people do it automatically and automatic withdrawal and so forth. But, but anytime we have a chance, there's, there's ways to do it. There are two religious groups with phenomenal growth. Most of you know about them. That's Jehovah Witnesses and the Mormons. You see them frequently knocking on doors or on the streets and on their bicycles. They're known. They dress up nice. They are traveling all around in the neighborhoods. You can't hardly get up too early on Saturday morning that they'll already be out there walking down the streets. I remember I went to visit someone one time in Highland Park, and it was there off of Avenue 50, and it was down toward uh, where 50 hits El Paso. And there's a steep hill there. And I went up this apartment. And there was a bunch of apartments. And I went all the way to the top. And it's like 100 steps or so to get there. And when I got up there and got onto the porch to knock on the door to visit these people, the Jehovah Witnesses already left awake there. They had already beat me there. And I'd, that was like 8 or 9 o'clock in the morning. They had already got there ahead of me. Because they're aggressive. They, they, they're reaching out. Uh, 
there, uh, some time ago, we had some Mormon missionaries, I believe, if I got this, if I remember this right, came to our door and they offered us a large family Bible for free. And I thought, well, I'll take that. And so uh, uh, the catch was that they would deliver it to you in person. And then when they delivered it to you, they'll give you a little short Bible study explaining their doctrine. So they were willing to pay the price of the Bible to get to talk to you for 10 minutes. But they have all kinds of things, but they're willing to make the effort. You see, the general public doesn't know that our church exists. So we have to go to them and let our light shine. Every time we go out into the world, we're letting our light shine. Hopefully your light's shining. Hopefully your battery isn't dead and you don't have any light. Or your bulbs are burnt out. <laughs> and so... Uh, Brother Achilles was telling today how Richard Varela was going to San Luis Obispo, uh, uh, Cal Poly up there, and, and with him and witness to him and begin to talk to him about uh, God and, and the things of God. Well, well, Achilles was going, I, I'm not sure if he was engaged or he had a girlfriend up there that he liked a lot, but as he witnessed to him, uh, he realized that he had to make some decisions. And so they talked about it, and one time, if I get this story right, Richard and him went up on top of a mountain around there, sort of a hilly area over there, as you recall. And up on top of the mountain, they were in the car and they got to praying and they prayed. And Richard prayed Achilles through until he, he spoke in tongues inside his car. <laughs> Praise God. And so because of that, he realized his, his, his girlfriend was worldly and she didn't care about the things of God. I don't know if he talked to her or whatnot, but anyway... Eventually, he, he gave her up for God because he wanted to make a choice. He chose Jesus Christ and let him work everything out in the future. But he witnessed, to, Richard witnessed to him, and now he's in the church today many, many years later. But, but Achilles witnessed and taught a home Bible study to a guy by the name of Jose Quintana in Erica. And now... He's in the church and he's pastoring upon. You see what happens when we do the will of God and we let our light shine before me and it gets passed on and on and on and on. And that's the will of God. That's the will of God. Hallelujah. I wonder how many and who here today wants the Holy Ghost to use you to win a soul from the fires of hell and eternity. How many here want God to use you? Raise your hand. I pray it's everybody. I pray it's everybody. I want to conclude with a true story that happened to a, a member of a church. It was a church up north, a friend of mine pastored, and uh, actually in El Sobrani, California. And one day, this, this uh, saint, this lady, had a Jehovah Witness knock on her door. And when she opened the door and saw who it was, she said, well, I'm busy and I don't have any time today. And she says, beside that, I have the truth, and I'm already filled with the Holy Ghost. And so Jehovah Witness asks, well, do you have a minute or two to tell us about the Holy Ghost? So she suddenly realized, well, I guess if they want to know, I better say something. And so she began to witness to them. And uh, in a little bit, it seemed like a little bit, she had talked to them for two solid hours because they were so hungry. They wanted to hear what she had to say. They wanted to know about her experience. 
And the Jehovah Witness said to her, this is what we've been looking for. This is the truth we've been longing for. She said, you know, you say you're too busy. She says, we have, we have problems too. In fact, I left my child with a babysitter to come out and knock on doors today. And my husband's out of work. You see, we have time. But you have the Holy Ghost and the truth, yet you don't have time. What's your excuse, Christian? Do you have time for a hungry lost soul? A songwriter, songwriter said it like this. The world needs Jesus, but why should I tell you? You're busy with no time to spend. They're dying without him, who's known by just a few. How long with this thought can you bear? Jesus, who died for you and me on the cross, he died for your neighbor too. How can you live without a burden for the lost? May God have mercy on you. As we close today, I ask you, will you give your body, your ears, your eyes, your mouth, your hands, your feet, a living sacrifice so God can reach a soul through you. They're dying without him. And I pray God somehow give me a burden. I'm trying, but I can do better. I taught two or three Bible studies last year. While I was a pastor and while I was a district secretary of the district, I still found time. But they're still out there by the hundreds of thousands, and we, we got to reach them. Maybe we can't reach them all, but we can reach some of them. And you reach them one at a time. One at a time. Would you stand with me today?